is an audio platform created to educate, inform, and empower women to take charge of their physical and mental health. Join Shalana Battle and her occasional guests as they discuss many issues and health topics that concern women. While many health tips and advice will be discussed on this platform by licensed professionals, it should not take the place of seeking help from your own physician or therapist. If you feel that you need professional advice or medical assistance, do not hesitate to contact your provider. Now, let's get to the show. Hey there, thanks so much for joining me for the 25th episode of The Eavesdrop. I am your host, Dr. Shalana Battle. How is your week going? Are you exercising? As for me, I've exercised maybe once this week. Right now, as I speak, it is only Tuesday, but I did commit to doing at least 30 minutes to an hour of exercise three times this week. So I still have a lot more time to go. So I am definitely gonna exercise this week, but are you exercising? Are you drinking your smoothies and your water? Are you making time for yourself? Most of all, are you minding your business? (laughs) I heard somewhere that minding your business and drinking your water makes your skin clear. And you all know I am here for clear skin. So I am definitely sipping my water and minding the business of the eavesdrop. (laughs) Before we move on to today's show though, I would like to bring awareness to a special day this week, Thursday, May 28th is menstrual hygiene day so may 28th was chosen because may is the fifth month which represents the average day a woman's period might last and the 28th day represents a 28 menstrual cycle which is the average menstrual cycle length of most women pretty cool right Well, Menstrual Hygiene Day has nothing to do with Summer's Eve and Vagisil washes. You all know how I feel about those. You should know by now anyway. (laughs) But this day is meant to serve as a platform to bring individuals, organizations, social businesses, the media, and political officials together in order to bring awareness to period stigma and period poverty for girls and women around the world. And you know, I definitely wanted to take the time out to show my support here on the eavesdrop. So we're gonna take some time to talk about this issue and what we can do to help. Now, before I even go there, just a moment of transparency. I was always aware of the social stigma that surrounded the menstrual cycle amongst different cultures and countries around the world. And I always knew there was a problem with inequality when it came to access to menstrual products. However, I did not know that there was actually a day that was dedicated to this issue. So, of course, you all know I have to do my research before I bring anything to you. So, while researching Menstrual Hygiene Day, I came across some alarming statistics which helped me to realize the importance of menstrual hygiene day. Here are some alarming facts that I came across. The first one is that in some countries, menstruating girls and women are considered dirty, untouchable, and disgraceful. I mean, you heard about that 
in Bible times. But that's not something that I realized was going on in today's society. If a girl or a woman is on her period, she is considered to be dirty, untouchable, and disgraceful. There are studies that were conducted in Kenya that suggest that school-age girls engage in transactional sex, this is like prostitution, so that they can afford menstrual products. And of course, one can only realize what these girls are going through mentally and the adverse consequences that can go along with these activities, such as contracting sexually transmitted infections, risk for abuse and assault, and like the emotional trauma that comes along with that. And in India, 12% of women and girls have access to period products. Only 12% of women and girls in India have access to the products that they need for a biological process. Studies show that 28% of girls in Uganda miss school while menstruating. And get this, 70% of girls in Malawi miss one to three days of school per month due to a lack of menstrual products. And right here in the United States, 25% of students, that's one out of four, have missed class because of lack of access to period products. Yet 30 states across the United States have tax on period products because they are not seen as essential. And then there was also a research study that was done that showed that the cost of sanitary products caused some people to believe that daughters are economically burdensome. And when I read this fact, I remember an article that was sent to me regarding a father who made his daughter do chores around the house in order to pay for her sanitary products. And when I first read this article, I was floored. And, you know, some people saw it as him teaching her work ethic, um, you know, basically working for the things that you need in life. But to me, I just saw it as adding to the problem of social stigma as it relates to women's reproductive health. I don't know how to feel about this. You all tell me what you think. Um, We will actually be discussing this topic on the wind down and I would love to know and share your opinion on this. So if you have an opinion, please send me a message. But the bottom line in all of this is a girl or women's menstrual period is a biological process that involves getting us all here on planet earth and it deserves more attention and more respect than it is receiving so i love that there is a day that helps to address the challenges and hardships many women and girls around the world face during their period i think that there needs to be more policy changes on the national the local and the global levels that will advocate for programs that can lead to innovative solutions to address these challenges. I think from what I've been reading that there has been a lot of progress and there are some countries that have actually taken the initiative to pay for menstrual products for their citizens. But I think that more countries need to take the same initiative. And until then, it is up to us to keep the awareness going and to give to organizations that are supporting this cause. If you would like more information 
or would like to find out more about how you can help, visit menstrualhygieneday.org. Again, that is menstrualhygieneday.org. Now, the moment we have all been waiting on, the show. (laughs) Today, I am interviewing a very talented poet, spoken word artist, and author. She is an amazing person with a passion and a big heart for her calling and purpose. She has a new book titled Diaries of a Broken Mom, The Secret She Carries. Together, we are going to be discussing her book, motherhood, brokenness, and journey to healing. Are you ready for this conversation? Without further ado, here's Clarissa Rose. Hi, Clarissa, and welcome to The Eavesdrop. Oh, thank you so much for having me. (laughs) I am so grateful that you are here and you have a new book on the horizon that is sure to encourage and inspire all mothers. The book is titled Diaries of a Broken Mom, The Secret She Carries. And I'm going to let you tell us all about the book. (laughs) But before you do that, I want you to tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself. Okay. All right. Well, I was born in South Florida, but raised in the Bahamas. I am an educator, a poet, a writer. But most importantly, I am a wife and a mom, which I'm most exciting about being a mom. After becoming a mom, I dedicated a lot of time into just having support groups and being a part of support groups for other mothers, because there's no way to possibly prepare you for motherhood. And having a strong, strong community of mothers is just, it's very, very important having your village. And that's pretty much it about me. So I heard you say you were from the Bahamas. If you could share one thing about the Bahamas that you enjoyed mo- you know, most when you were growing up, what would that be? I just enjoyed how much of a slow pace it is compared to here in Miami. It's very fast paced, but I enjoyed the fact that it was such a slow pace. The beautiful beaches, the wonderful food, growing our fruits yes, and the vegetables and <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, growing our mm. fruits and vegetables in the backyard and everyone just kind of being one, the neighborhood, everyone were friends, you knew your neighbors. And so that is something that I cherish very much about growing up in the Bahamas. Yeah, I was just sharing with you that I've gone to the Bahamas before like plenty of times. And like you said, I enjoyed the food. And I also love the beaches. The water is beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Thank (laughs) you. All right. So let's dive into this book that you have. Tell us about Diaries of a Broken Mom. So Diaries of a Broken Mom, The Secrets She Carries. It's a series, a collection of journals. And it follows the stories of different moms from different backgrounds, different social statuses, age groups that carry with them a sense of brokenness and a sense of trauma. And this brokenness and trauma, it didn't necessarily stem within motherhood. Some of them are carrying things with them from childhood and that carries on throughout their adult life. 
And so this is their diary. If they can express these secrets that they've held close to them, writing their emotions down without feeling judged is their place of, of solace. And we get to really explore the raw emotions of these moms. And they share with us these moments that they haven't shared with anyone else. And that's what this book is about. So you mentioned brokenness and traumas. What are some of the examples, you know, without giving the book away, um, some of the examples of the brokenness and traumas that you write about in the book? There are moms that have dealt with or that have had abortions and maybe because of their backgrounds, their religious beliefs, abortions, you shouldn't do that, right? This this is something that you shouldn't do. And they get to really express that hands-on. What was that emotion like? What was their thought process? How did they deal with that after? After they they had an abortion, how did they face themselves? Women that, when they were little girls that were molested and they have to deal with this trauma of that. And how do they navigate through this? Growing up and seeing your mom abused and now you have to be a mom. And it's just all of these different brokenness that they, that they carried and they've never really expressed it to anyone or mm-hmm. never even thought to express it because it's just one of those things. It happens and life happens and you deal with the cards that you're dealt and you keep it moving is the mentality of a lot of us, especially in the black community. And we see that mm-hmm. through these women. Yeah. So for those who might be aspiring to be writers, can you discuss a little bit about your journey while writing this book? What was the process like and how did you come up with your writing material? Okay. For those that are aspiring writers, I would first say that it is important to have a passion for it. It's important to have a passion for whatever the topic is that you want to write about. For me, being a mom is the, the topic that I'm most excited about. Yeah. So, yeah, and so for me, it was just, it was a given that I would write about moms. I didn't know in which way, in which capacity, but I knew that I would. But after how my, pro- my writing process with this particular project, um, I, I was dealing with a lot of guilt um, that I experienced for my first pregnancy, which I explore more in the book. And I thought, well, if I'm dealing with this and I'm a part of all of these support groups, there certainly there's other moms that are dealing with these things too. And so the process consisted of me interviewing about 17 women from different age groups, different social economic statuses. And once I told them about this project, they allowed me to tell their story. They wrote their stories. They allowed me and gave me permission to tell it. And that was such an honor for me. Because for many of them, this is the first time that they even shared it. And for them to trust me um, so much, that really, 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 really meant a lot. I would say this. Because of the nature of this book, it took time. I had to take a few breaks in between because it was such an emotional roller coaster. Mm -hmm. It was such a dark and a lonely place, having to listen to these stories, internalize it, and then bring it to life. Mm. 
and just to know that so many women go through so much and they've never expressed it it was it was really really it was difficult mm-hmm. and you know especially with me I, I'm expecting we're expecting another baby and during pregnancy oh, congratulations know, thank, yeah. you, thank you <laughs> thank you and it was you know just trying to manage my emotions during that time of pregnancy mm-hmm. that I I too had to find an outlet of someone to speak with because I was just carrying so much. It was a dark place with this kind of book. But yeah, so that's what I would say to aspiring writers. Make sure that you have, you're passionate about it. Make sure that you're clear on what the purpose is of this book. And you have to be self-driven and motivated. It can be discouraging, but you have to continue and follow through with it and understand that The purpose of the book is way greater than you are. And once you do that, yeah. And once you do that, purpose, purpose, once you follow through with the purpose, you'll be fine. So I think you touched on this a little bit as far as like your reason behind writing the book. Because most people who aspire to write or author a book is usually because they have a drive or commitment to a purpose. And I remember you went over your story with me when we talked about your book, but I wanted to, to share a little bit about that with our listeners today as, to, as far as like your why, your personal reasoning. Yes. Well, before me even becoming a mom, I thought I had it all together. I mean, I was on the road. I was on the right track. I was just positive and zen. I was ready to take on the world. And... I was about to graduate college. I had my last semester of Florida Memorial University and I got pregnant. When I got pregnant, it was like, what? Mm -hmm. How? This is not a part of the plan. Mm -hmm. Now, um, of course, I should have been, you know, more, I should have considered that a little bit more when I did what I was doing to get pregnant. Yeah. Hey, things happen, you know. Life happens. Right. Right. It happened and it wasn't, it just wasn't a part of the plan. It wasn't. I was supposed to finish school and then go and get my master's and be this amazing author and motivational speaker and take care of my parents. And I just had this all mapped out. And I knew that I would have been married when I had my first child. And it just wasn't like that. I was broke. I still didn't have my degree. I wasn't married. I had a boyfriend. I was about to become a baby mama. And that's something that I didn't want to do. My mom was a baby mama. My sisters was a baby mama. I didn't want to do that. That wasn't me. That wasn't supposed to be me. Along with some health issues that I was going through. And so um, my baby daddy and I, we spoke about it and we said, what are we going to do? And when we, when we spoke, we thought about it a bit. We knew that our decision was going to be what I thought, oh man, my beliefs mm-hmm. would have never allowed me to even think mm-hmm. about an abortion. Yeah. But there I was. Mm-hmm. I was, um, I went to the clinic. I was filling out the form. They called my name, Clarissa Rose, come. As soon as I was about to walk into the back door, my boyfriend, who's my husband now, but he was my boyfriend at the time, he said, you know what? We can't go through with this. 
Yeah. We can't go through with this. And we just then we just walked out. We just we just left. Yeah. And we didn't know what was gonna happen after that because neither of us were in the space that we wanted to be in, but we knew that was in the answer. Yeah. And even though we didn't follow through with the abortion, I felt so much guilt. Mm. I felt so guilty the entire time. I felt an immense guilt. And I also felt so ashamed that I couldn't share it with anyone. Hmm. Like, how do you ball that up and keep that to yourself? For me to internalize that and actually navigate through those emotions, I did it all by myself. And yeah. it's so, it's, it was so deep. My guilt was so deep that even God, I felt guilty to go to and speak to mm. him. God in whom I felt like I had a great connection with. I was so embarrassed mm. that I had gotten to that level that I was literally about to abort a child. Mm. And I spoke to my sis, one of my sisters about just trauma on the whole, which I never expressed to them. So when they hear this interview, this is going to be the first time <laughs> anyone has ever hey. heard about this. But it's important to share our stories, right? It's a part of destigmatizing yeah. all of that comes with mm-hmm. our experiences. And I was speaking to my sister that dealt with a lot of trauma on our own. And I said, well, how did you make it through, Georgette? How did you make it through your trauma? And she said, I wrote it down. I wrote it in my journal. I ripped up the pages and I burnt it. But I just had to let it out. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do that. I'm going to write it. I'm going to write how I'm feeling. I am going to let it out. I'm going to face this emotions. I'm going to face all of the emotions that I'm feeling right now. And first I have to do, before I can even express this to anyone else, I have to be okay to face it within myself. And so that's really how the idea of this book got started. If I'm dealing with the trauma, imagine how many other moms. Mm, Other women are going through the same thing. The same thing. And guess mm-hmm. what? Worse, you know. And yeah. So, and there's there's certain moms, and I, you know, there's certain moms that are dealing with trauma that they didn't even place themselves in. One can argue that I put myself in that position. I decided that I was going. I, I know that I'm unwed, and I decided to have sex. I decided to be grown, and so that's what comes along with it. So one can argue that I put myself in that position. But there are some. Their traumas start from their. They're so innocent. They come out of the warmth, trauma, yeah. into brokenness. And so that's, that's really, really how, how this got started. And once I began to share this project and this idea with different support groups and just women around, and they were able to, I'm sorry, rather willing to be a part of this project, I knew that we had something. And we had something that was important and something that was worth sharing with others. You have a beautiful testimony behind the book. There are so many women who have the same story, but then there are others who actually gone through with Mm -hmm. abortions and can't talk to anybody about it. Mm -hmm. And I can only imagine how they're feeling if you felt this way and you changed your mind. So I think that this book just really comes um, at a good time, especially when our society is not supporting women's decisions and women's rights. You know, that can really add to 
the guilt and the apprehension about making certain choices. And I think that your book will actually help women who are deciding to do it or who have had terminations before. And I just applaud you. <laughs> I just Thank really, you. really applaud you for sharing your story. Thank you. Um, what is your outcome for the book? What do you want readers to take away from it? My intended outcome is for moms, especially within the Black community, to feel comfortable with confronting their trauma from a place of working towards healing, being okay to confront the brokenness that they may feel, but also that more people in general would offer more support and be more empathetic towards women that are living with these kinds of challenges. So that, that's really what I'm hoping the outcome will be with this book. And I, also, I have to include this just for them to know that they are not alone. Mm -hmm. You are not the only one that experienced that. You are not the only one that is going through it. You are mm -hmm. not the only one that has a battle. But there is light on the other side. There is light with, with working through the process. There's healing at the end of the tunnel. And you mentioned earlier about support groups. And I think that is a beautiful way for women to work through their trauma and work through their brokenness and pain, you know, to sit amongst other women who are going through the same thing. Because it's one thing to go to our friends who have never been there right. to talk about it. And they can give us advice, but I think it's more profound when the advice comes from women who have been there, who've been in this situation. Yeah. I completely agree. I completely mm -hmm. agree. Yeah. And so I like the subtitle of the book, The Secret She Carries, because yeah. I think that um, that is the story of so many women that may have gone through some sort of emotional trauma. A lot of us carry secrets, whether it be sexual assault, abuse, molestation, and the list of secrets can go on and on. Why do you think Black mothers or mothers of all races are so hesitant to face their traumas and be open about it? I think that there is a fear of being judged. I think that there is a fear of being considered as weak, mm -hmm. especially in the Black community. Mm -hmm. We are Black moms and Black women. You're expected to keep going, keep pushing, get it done yep. by all necessary. We are strong mm -hmm. Black women and we overcome it. And eventually, we become, I don't know, is brainwashed the correct word? I don't know, but we create this thought process of mm -hmm. if we show any sign of quote unquote weakness, that means that we are weak. Yeah. And I think that that plays a major role in us not really seeking the support that it is that we need. Yeah. Yeah, I do agree. Especially the part by, you know, us having to always take a lick and keep ticking, awesome. just like the Timex clock. <laughs> Yes. We, yeah, we are expected to do that because I don't know if it's something that we've been like taught, but mm -hmm. I think the example has been set. We saw our grandmothers do it. We see our mothers do it. And so 
we're actually taught by example to take care of others, mm -hmm. put others first, especially if it's at the expense of our own comfort and our own well-being. Yes. You barely witness them complaining or discussing their personal issues. And when I say them, our grandmothers and our mothers, mm -hmm. you barely ever witness you know, them complaining about things and they just keep going. And another thing I think traumatic events are considered, like you said earlier, embarrassing to the family. So most people are taught to sweep it underneath the rug. Yeah. You don't talk about this. You don't bring this up at the dinner table. What happened to you really didn't happen. So I just yeah. think that we're kind of taught to be silent. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So then what can we do as a community to offer our mothers more support and to help them heal from broken situations? Well, trauma is one thing and brokenness is one thing that I feel as if you cannot do alone. You can't heal alone. Um, so a major part of, of us offering support is to create a village within our community that is mm -hmm. non-judgmental. Yeah. I think we have to go back to the place of when there were actual villages and mm -hmm. you knew that you were supported. I think it would also take people sharing their stories because if everyone else looks like their life is all together and there's nothing going on, you just feel like you're the oddball. Who do you share mm -hmm. it with? But if others were to share their stories, especially women, especially those women that seem to have it all together, especially those women that came out on the other side, that makes a huge difference. So when we move in this direction of destigmatizing the shame associated with trauma, people would feel more comfortable to even seek mm -hmm. support because you yeah. can have the support there all you want. But if people don't feel comfortable with seeking the support, if moms don't feel comfortable, if moms don't feel like it'll be an inclusive space and a caring environment, then they're not going to accept the support that is there or seek the support yeah. that is there. So I think that we just need to open a bigger conversation on, of this topic, of this particular topic with moms that are experiencing trauma and breaking brokenness and to share our stories, share the stories that we may be ashamed of share the stories the things say the things that are difficult to say so that others know that they are not alone and i think that's the best direction for us to move in as far as um, helping moms and offering moms more support and therapy is okay i think we have to instill that especially in our community as african americans seeing a therapist seeking professional help is okay it doesn't mean that you're crazy it doesn't. And, you know it does not having a professional listen to you unbiased is something that is very important they can give you tips on how to heal yeah they can help you get down to the root of the problem um, so I, I think therapy is just so important. Therapy is important. And the beautiful thing, one of the things about, there's not much beauty in COVID right now, but one oh, no. of the things in COVID, <laughs> no, that um, there are a lot of, there are a lot of people now focusing on mental health. And so there, it's more accessible now, even as far as, because I had to see a therapist during this process and the anxiety. I <laughs> yeah, I had to see a therapist and they even their pricings now they, they do in what you call a sliding scale of your income. 
And so it's more affordable and accessible now for the average person to be able to access a, a professional as, mm -hmm. we, as we really try to focus on mental health during this time. And I think more therapists are accepting major commercial insurances now because at first it, it was an out-of-pocket thing. I think now more therapists are starting to accept insurances. So definitely get out there. Um, do your research. Yes, do your research and see what's there. Trust me, take it from us. It is important. It is important to see and speak with, with a professional. Yeah. Nothing wrong with it at all. Yeah. You know, and I think a common misconception is I need to seek therapy only when there's a problem. And I think seeing a therapist, even when there's not a problem, you can become equipped with tools because we don't know what life is ever going to throw us. Mm -hmm. And I think just having someone established and actually becoming equipped with tools to get through certain challenges if they were to come about is beneficial. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. So Clarissa, I think that this has been a great show. Thank you so much for being here. Before you go, I want you to give us some details on the book release and how our listeners can follow you and stay in touch. Yes, yes. So the book release, well, pre-orders will begin July 8th. We're starting our pre-orders. You can follow me on Facebook, Clarissa Rose. I also have a YouTube channel, Clarissa Rose, C-L-A-R-I-S-S-A-R-O-S-E. -S -S I'm just getting back on the social media scene. I did take a break yeah. from social media during this entire process, so everything is relatively <laughs> new to me. But you can feel free to follow me on those platforms. Okay. And do you have a support group? Yes, Mommy Vibes. So if you look mommy up mommy, mm -hmm. yes, with a Z, if you look it up on YouTube and also on Facebook, you'll be able to see our page there. Like I said, I'm just getting back on social media, but you will definitely be able to find us there. I wanted to share one of the entries with you. Okay. Oh, yes. Yes. Let's do that, please. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to share one of um, the journal entries with you, and it's called Rain, Rain, Go Away. Every time it rains, my three-year-old daughter sings, Rain, rain, go away, come again another day. To her, it's simply a song, but to me, I want the rain to stop. Each raindrop forces my mind to realize the pain that I experienced that night. Rain, rain, go away. I was about eight or nine years old at the time. My mother worked overnight. I was sleeping when I felt the sheets being removed from my body. By the time I looked up, it was my mom's boyfriend, Don. I froze. It happened quickly yet slowly at the same time. He kissed my neck, then went down to my barely developed breast while simultaneously penetrating my insides with his fingers. Rain, rain, go away. I was numb. I couldn't scream, couldn't move. Even my tears were at a pause. What was happening? 
perhaps my mind was too busy trying to conceptualize why. Rain, rain, go away. He never made eye contact with me. As a matter of fact, he kept his eyes closed the entire time. When it was done, he covered me with the sheets and left the room. I focused my eyes on the hallway light that was shining through the door crack. As soon as the numbness broke, I quietly packed a bag of clothes and ran outside, only to be met by the rain. Rain, rain, go away. I was mortified. I didn't know where to go or what to do. So I sat there. I sat underneath the mango tree in front of the yard, frightfully waiting for my mom to come home. By the time she arrived, the rain had stopped, but I was drenched in both water and tears, still sitting underneath the mango tree. I tearfully told her what happened. I gave her every detail. She immediately asked, but, did he put his penis inside of you? I told her, no, mommy. She took me inside, told me to take a shower and get a few hours rest before school. We never spoke about it again. Rain, rain, go away. I'm now 37. And when it rains, it still reminds me of the pain that I've been carrying since that night. Rain, rain, go away. Man, <laughs> that is, oh my God. And that, and to think that that is someone's story That's and someone's not story. just hers, it's so many other women who've gone through the same thing. How do you, yeah. how do you process that? How do you process that the person, the one person that is supposed to protect you says, but did he put his penis inside of you? Yeah. Okay. Take a shower. Rest a few hours before school. Yeah. And never speak about it again. Never spoke about it again. I can understand how that can cause a lot of emotional wounds. You know, and how permanent wounds. Yeah. Move forward. She mm -hmm. has, she, she cannot to this day have any kind of solid relationship with her mom because mm -hmm. of something that happened when she was eight or nine years old that was never addressed. That was just right. brushed away. Mm -hmm. And not even with her mom. I think that sometimes situations like this can affect other relationships. Yes. Moving forward, relationships with other women relationships with men men relationships yeah. with her own children you know yes. it can be just a big repeated cycle yes wow. oh wow yes so that's one of those and this is one of the reasons why why i had to i had to have an mm. outlet right because when i i see up, I emotions it's like okay <laughs> and Woo! it's a whole book <laughs> you have a whole book. entire book full it's of stories entire, like that wow it's an entire book mm. And, um, and so, yes, yeah, so that's just a snippet of one of the journal entries that are in the book. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. 
that's tough yes very (laughs) tough (laughs) but i know when this book is ready to be released we're gonna have to meet up again we're gonna have to meet up we're gonna have to do ig live or youtube or something (laughs) have to get this book out because it's not just the women in your book that are going through these things there are similar stories and we have to get together and make sure that the stories are heard and that women out there know about this book and again, I really appreciate you coming and, and sharing your story and just being open. And I know God is going to bless this. Thank you so okay. much. Thank you. <laughs> uh, before right. we go, I want to say thank you to a few people. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. My publisher, Underscore, I want to thank him so much for helping me and be, being patient throughout this process. Mm-hmm. My mother, who, has, who is still working through the process of healing, my siblings, nieces and nephews, my children, and my husband, who has been the most understanding person and the most supportive cheerleader throughout this entire process. When I'm overwhelmed and I'm in a dark space and I just, I'm stuck, he's right there encouraging me. So I just wanted to give him a special thanks also. And uh, I just thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, for you're so welcome. Me. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. It's a pleasure to be at the East Rock. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we have to speak uh-huh. again. We have to. We speak. will. We definitely will. So listeners, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Follow Clarissa. Follow the eavesdrop. And um, we will definitely keep you posted on the next time we meet. And yes, I think that's the wrap. <laughs> right. Much love, everyone. Much love. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode with Clarissa Rhodes. I hope you enjoy Clarissa. Most of all, I pray that you were inspired by her words of wisdom and by her story of courage. Stay tuned for updates for when Clarissa and I will collaborate again. If you are enjoying The Eavesdrop, don't forget to subscribe, rate the show, and then tell all your friends about the wonderful information you are gaining here. Doing this will help me reach my goal of educating, inspiring, and motivating more women across the globe to live healthier and happier lives. Also, follow The Eavesdrop on IG at the real eavesdrop underscore podcast. Again, that is the real eavesdrop underscore podcast. If you like to get in touch with me, you may do so at drshalanabattle at gmail.com. Again, that is drshalanabattle at gmail.com. Until the next episode, be well, be whole, be blessed. Bye.